back to another episode of the Red Reporter Podcast. It has been uh, just under three weeks since we last recorded. Um, at that point in time, we were just all gung-ho about the fact that we were going to consistently start putting the podcast back together every single week. Um, that was kind of one of the premise that the Reds were actually going to start doing something, I think, uh, which is a, a concept that we've kind of been sitting on our hands waiting around for um, for the better part of the entire offseason also. Since that time, though, they've actually gotten two good years in Arizona. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Um, spring training is pretty much getting in full swing right now, and I believe we are recording on the 24th. We are four days away from the first spring training game so to speak, uh, of the 2021, well, I'm not going to call it Cactus League play uh, necessarily because spring training this year is going to be significantly different than spring training has ever been before. Um, so we're going to try to touch on that a little bit and kind of get caught up on where the Reds are, uh, what they haven't done, which is a, uh, a ledger that's much more heavily weighted than what they have done, um, but just trying to figure out where they are at this point and uh, what we've seen early from camp and um, uh, how that looks like that might shake out for the uh, the months going forward as they plow into the 2021 regular season. So I'm Wick. I'm your host again for this episode. And uh, joining me tonight, we've got two, uh, two Red Reporter regulars. Um, we've got Tony Wolf, who you can find at Red Reporter and at Fangrass. Tony, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Wick, uh, I, I'm glad that we finally have pitchers and catchers doing things and uh, that we, it, it seems, it seems like baseball, if nothing else, is proceeding at a somewhat normal uh, pace now. Yeah, it's nice to have it back for sure. Uh, you know, I've had college baseball on the TV the last couple of days as well, which has been kind of a nice transition, kind of, you know, just to to see the game being played again and uh, uh, to see them pick up the, the, the pieces from a season last year that got completely shut down. Um, it's uh, it's nice to, to, to have uh, baseball on the horizon for sure. Uh, it's been kind of a, a dreary winter for the most part. We're actually getting, I think, up to eight inches of snow here in Denver tonight. So it's, uh, it's nice to know that there is that portion of the sports schedule around the corner again. Um, so, yeah. Uh, also joining us tonight over in Cincinnati, we've got BK. Beak, what's going on, buddy? How's it going? Yeah. Um, definitely excited to get baseball back uh, in our lives. And, um, yeah, I think it, it's, it definitely feels a little bit different this year, doesn't it? Where, you know, I feel like last year, even, you know, when spring training was going and, you know, you had the, that pandemic stuff starting, it was like, you know, every day was every day, all of last season was kind of like, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? And, um, you know, is the game going to be postponed for whatever reason? And, um, you know, it, it feels more optimistic this year, doesn't it? Where it doesn't really feel like, uh, it doesn't feel like that's going to, affect at least spring training hopefully so 
knock on wood that uh, that we get some games here and uh, can actually see this red steam in action. Yeah, it certainly feels like while we are absolutely positively not anywhere close to out of the woods um, from this entire ordeal, um, it does at least have the 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 seeming sense that it's going to get better every day as opposed to get worse and get worse in who knows how many different ways every single day. And obviously, you know, it's a, it's a superficial uh, 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 thing to follow in talking about this all in sports circumstances, but um, yeah, the, just the sheer unpredictability uh, of that last year just kind of made, it kind of made it hard to really want to get, you know, you know too, too heavily invested in anything uh, that the Reds were doing. Cause you just kind of felt like it was all going to go poof at any second. Um, this year, that certainly feels a little bit different, which I think, as we kind of look at what the Reds did and did not do uh, this offseason, I think that's kind of the, um, the the paradox we're operating under right now because there is certainly more optimism that baseball as a whole is going to be closer to normal this year than it ever has been. And that's a kind of an inherent optimism that I think all of us are, are excited about. You know, it's going to be a baseball season. It's not going to be a 60-game kind of modified um, do-what-we-can kind of thing. It, it seems like they're going to do their best to make this be a full baseball season. Um so there's optimism in the return of that. Uh, at the same point in time, there seems like there's certainly a little bit of pessimism uh, surrounding the fact that the Reds didn't really make that a pursuit of theirs. Um, you know, we've we spent the entire winter watching them dump salary and non-tender good players and trade away guys that are making money and then just not really pursue anybody whatsoever in free agency beyond just, um, you know, the uh, – uh, the bargains they could find here and there. And even those were few and far between. Um, and so it, it seems kind of strange to look up and, and be very optimistic that, you know, baseball as we used to know it or closest to it uh, is on the cusp of returning, but the Reds just didn't really show up for the bus at that point. Um, and I think that's kind of a um, an interesting, interesting segue that we can look at because uh, perhaps the biggest story this week is, in relation to what the Reds didn't do. Um, and that was the most glaring opening on their roster this winter, which was at shortstop. And, you know, we, we entered into this winter with uh, what, like legitimately seven, maybe eight different shortstops that we knew were going to change teams and knew we're going to try to find new homes, whether it was the, the glut on the free agent market or uh, on the trade market, where there were several high profile names that were obviously going to be moved and some that certainly did move. And the Reds didn't participate in any of it, despite the fact that they lost Freddie Galvis off last year's team and didn't have an incumbent ready to go this year. Um, D. Strange Gordon uh, was signed to what at most will be a $1 million guaranteed contract if he makes the roster. He's a minor league uh, invite to spring camp right now. Um, certainly the most uh, proven um, professional that the Reds have competing for this mix, but not a guy who's been a shortstop for the better part of eight years. Um, he made it pretty clear this, this week in the press, uh, not that he thinks the shortstop job of the Cincinnati Reds is his, but he said, shortstop's my position. It's what I came up as. It's who I always thought I was, despite the fact that I was getting moved around to other positions. Um, it's a pretty clear statement that he thinks he can do it, and that he pretty well knows that's the best path for him making this roster. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what he could bring to the table? And then also the fact that he might end up being the best option the Reds have uh, at this juncture. Um, BK, you want to go first on that one, man? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head, right? Um, that's how he's going to make this team if he makes this team. And so if you're D strange Gordon, I mean, why not just lean into I'm the shortstop. I'm going to be the shortstop. And, you know, I'm not here to play second base. I'm not here to, you know, bounce around. Uh, I'm here to play shortstop. The Reds need a shortstop. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, part of the allure of signing with the Reds was that, hey, they have this massive hole at shortstop and they need somebody there. Uh, why not, you know, why not D-strain Gordon? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic just, you know, that he's, as long as he's, you know, in good enough shape for the, for the job. I mean, you know, it's, it's given who the Reds have put out there the last couple of years, it's, it's not like uh, they have a history of some defensive prowess there, you know, um, you know, with Freddie Galvis, who's fine, but not amazing. And, you know, Kyle Farmer played a lot of innings <laughs> there last year. Um, you know, it's, I'm, my expectations are, are pretty low, but I think that, you know, I think that he should be able to exceed him as long as he, he hits. I mean, it's, that's uh, the biggest question mark with him. Yeah. Me. I mean, let's be, let's be fair here. You know, D-Strange Gordon has had a very solid career. He's made upwards of $50 million in his professional career. Uh, he's won a batting title. He's won a gold glove, not a shortstop, but at a different position. He's won uh, a silver slugger. He's stolen 333 bases led the league multiple times and is the active career leader in steals. Um, there was a time where, you know, D strange Gordon offensively, you would throw him a shortstop on basically, you know, two thirds of the team in baseball and take whatever defense he gave you. Cause you knew he was legitimately going to be an offensive threat. Uh, and you'd run with it. You'd absolutely take that. Um, the last three years of what we've seen from him since he's been in Seattle, uh, the offense even hasn't been there either. And I think that's the one part about this that, you know, you look at what the Reds have done, you look at what they did last year in, in augmenting this team in free agency and bringing in so many high-profile guys, um, you'd be willing to punt defense at shortstop if they got a great offensive guy. You'd be willing to punt offense if they got a proven great defensive guy. You just – Get something that you know you've got there and work off of it. Instead, what the Reds have done is kind of cobbled together uh, almost a Frankenstein of shortstops where you've got Jose Garcia, who's the prospect. You've got Jonathan Holder, who's the glove guy but can't hit. You've got Alex Blandino, who can get on base but has no power. You've got Cal Farmer, who's the, the veteran utility guy. You've got D-Strange Gordon, who's the old guy who's not really good. You take the best aspects of all of them and kind of put them together, and you've got one – pretty decent shortstop, um, but you can't play all of them at the same time and get those bits and pieces. So um, it's it's been a, a very weird way to see what they did in this regard and to see that Strange Gordon pretty well identifies that, um, pretty well highlights where the Reds shortstop situation is uh, to even the players out there who are looking at the situation too. Um, Tony, what do you think, man? Look, man, I am – a huge fan of D. Strange Gordon, as I am of any hitter who uh, has managed to post an above average offensive season despite an iso isolated power under 100 <laughs> several times, as as uh, he has done. Uh, we 
we we love we love a guy who gets uh, suspended for PEDs after a season in which he hit four home <laughs> runs and six hundred and fifty plate appearances. Uh, that's that's a guy I'm gonna root for. I I'm a big fan. He's not a shortstop. There's just no way around. It. He's not a shortstop. He hasn't played more than a handful of games at shortstop since I since he was with the Dodgers back before 2014. Uh, so that, yeah, like, like you guys were alluding to, it's, it would be one thing if the Reds went and got somebody like Tommy LaStella or somebody like that, where they they were going to say, we're going to put him at shortstop. We know that it's going to be bad defensively. Like we're, we know that, but he's going to hit at like, that's, that's not nothing. Like that would have been one thing, but to go out right. and get people like D. Strange Gordon, who d- not only is he not a shortstop, uh, but he also can't hit. Like he just can't. <laughs> he's he's not going to be any kind of offensive threat, and hasn't been for several years. And um, you know, you it's it is. It's just real. It's disappointing because they they had. They had chances to like to, to do to do something, you know, to say nothing of like doing something legitimately exciting at the position, like uh, signing a Marcus Simeon or trading for Trevor Story or something like that. They could have done something like creative and interesting, and instead they're gonna have the Strange Gordon Kyle Farmer split shortstop when neither one of them are shortstops, and that's that's gonna be a really big problem. So yeah, I that's gonna be. It's going to be really difficult to watch that position. This I, it's going to be you. I you don't usually get like a daily reminder of like the team's bad choices, or the team's <laughs> lazy choices. That usually comes in like fits and starts. Like when oh no, we have like when like when. When uh, Giovanni Gallardo's uh, turn in the rotation comes up, and you're like, "Oh no, I forgot! Yeah, we signed Giovanni Gallardo. That's bad." <laughs> uh, you know, that's that only comes once every few days. But shortstop is just going to be an every single day uh, reminder that, like, yeah, we we decided to put Kyle Farmer at that spot. And that's going to suck. That's going to suck for 162. And on top of that, I mean, it'd be one thing if shortstop was the one spot where the Reds were trying to do this, but they've got a third baseman playing second base. Um, They've got Nick Castellanos, who despite the fact his bat is supposed to be better than it was last year, is not a right fielder. They lost the DH. They've got Jesse Winker, who should be a DH playing in left field. Um, Then you've got Joey Votto at first place, who was, perhaps one of the worst infield defenders in all of baseball last year. So um, if, if shortstop was the one big question mark where he said, eh, whatever, we'll figure it out. And whoever's out there, they'll be good enough because we got support elsewhere. Uh, not, not so much. I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the defense right now, um, it, it certainly looks like uh, the Reds are really, really hoping that their manager and their scouting can help them shift into where, the balls get hit either right at them or over their heads into the seats. And that's all they're really going to worry about right now. Um, of course, that also is the perfect backdrop for signing a guy who can hit the snot out of the ball and not play shortstop, which the Reds also didn't do. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, 
it's one of those things that, that we had such high optimism about just several months ago because I mean, the Reds needed a shortstop and there were so many good ones out there. And then they just didn't. Beak, what do you, what do you think, man? I mean, it's it's frustrating, right? Because yeah, they said that. What did they say? Wouldn't uh, Nick Crawl say it's a priority? <laughs> and then they went out and got D Strange Gordon. Which I like. I don't. Yeah, there's so much cognitive. They got Kyle there. Holder um, too. You know, and <laughs> I I yeah. sure sure yeah big big deal big trade for uh, cash yeah. right um, but. You know, you have the you have this idea, right? Of you could just you know punt on the on your shortstop defense, like um, we were talking about. But then you really, you know, maybe the Reds' best option there is just to move Eugenio Suarez back over and say, "All right, at least he's going to hit you know thirty home runs or you know something along those lines." Hopefully you know, throughout a 162 game season. And then, you know, and then, then you have a spot open at third and you can move Mike Moustakis back over. You can, God forbid, put Nick Senzel back in the infield. I mean, it seems like that might actually be like the best option to get everyone in place, but the Reds never have kind of, they've, they've not really, like leaned into that at all, they're saying, oh no, D Strange Gordon is our shortstop. And that's uh, that's a that's an interesting topic and know, one that it, I don't know if that's in the Reds' minds or you know. Yeah, that's that's something that I think that, that I was gonna kinda like transition into when we we were looking at our notes before this and talking about what they're gonna do with their their top prospects is what I said. But in reality, what I'm getting at is what they're going to do with their young players. And so even guys that aren't prospects necessarily anymore, Nick Senzels, who is the, the the kind of headliner in this group, but it's also Jonathan India. Uh, it's also Jose Garcia. It's guys who you look up and say the Reds have a gaping hole in their infield. And uh, among their players who are 25 years old and younger, if we want to use that as the kind of category, uh, Nick Senzel, Jonathan India, Jose Garcia, their three best young hitting prospects, all infielders originally by trade. Um, to see the Reds being willing to take so many other players from other organizations that they brought in free agency and whatever and move them to new positions. They moved Eugenio Suarez. They moved Mustakas. They moved Castellanos. Uh, they moved Senzel even away from infield to move him out to outfield on a whim. To know that they've got those kind of three younger players and prospects who all look young, very athletic, whatever, and not really seem that they're just going to kind of concede shortstop should be one of theirs, they all have varying strengths. You know, Jose Garcia last year, for being as overmatched as he was, very good defensively, better defensively at shortstop than any of the other Reds' options right now. Um, if you put him out there, he's probably going to struggle again, hopefully not as much as he did last year with the bat, but you know you've got a glove guy there you can depend on. Um, offensively, you take a guy like Nick Senzel when he's healthy, you pretty much know you've got a good chance of getting some significant offense from him when healthy, um, and you might want to just figure out defense as it comes, which is something that if you put D. Strange Gordon there, you're going to have to do also. Um to see them be willing to be so flexible with so many other players and so inflexible 
with kind of the in-house guys they've got, it just kind of seems like a, a dissonance that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I, I, what are your all's thoughts on where those three players in particular kind of fit, knowing that the Reds aren't going to kind of commit to them at shortstop right now? Um, maybe Garcia, but probably not. Uh, what are your thoughts on where they fit, not just this year, but um, kind of the next couple of years, knowing that it doesn't look like the Reds are going to be willing to put them in places where they could get playing time uh, ahead of other guys. Uh, Tony, you want to go first on this one? Sorry, which which uh, three which three players were you saying? I was talking about Jonathan India, talking about Nick Senzel, talking about Jose Garcia, because um, you know with with shortstop being open, uh, Garcia is the guy who plays it, but, but okay. might not be ready. India has played it a little bit and probably is close to being ready, but they're not going to consider him there. And then Sinzel, who's definitely ready, and that's the opening, but he's blocked at all his positions. Like three young players the Reds have, but they're not gonna they're not gonna like give them a chance at that spot. Yeah, I think Jose Garcia I can't see him moving off shortstop unless the Reds somehow acquire um, a stud at that position. I think he's probably, he's the shortstop of the future, so to speak, that that future just shouldn't have started in uh, 2020 and shouldn't continue on opening day of 2021. Um, I think Sinzel, uh, they've, they've pretty much, they've, they've sort of backed Sinzel into a corner, right? With, you know, again, you know, like we've talked about so many times before, you know, the moves they've made to bring in Mike Moustakis uh, in the infield and, uh, you know, their refusal to give him more of a look at shortstop uh, during his minor league career. It really seems like Senzel has been backed into center fielder, uh, into center field, I mean. Um, and then Jonathan India it's going to be it's going to be really weird because india you his carrying tool is his bat right he he's he was drafted and he was drafted where he was uh because of the power that he showed at florida um he's he hasn't shown that power since becoming a pro but he has continued to uh he his his plate discipline and uh his ability to to take walks still seems to be holding up. Um, but in def- so that, that's that bat is what you hope will sustain him wherever he plays. But yeah, it would be a lot easier to, for him to hit, uh, up to the level his position requires if he is on the infield, you know, if he is at third base, if he's at second base where he was, probably most likely to play when the Reds drafted him, but because once again, the Reds pretty much have a crowded infield right now. Now you're talking about India being backed up into uh, playing an outfield corner, and that's going to really raise the, uh, the pressure on him to not just not only hit, but hit really well because uh, I mean, they, you you just you need to be able to you need to be able to hit for a 
hit for a little bit of power uh, if, if you're a corner bat. If, if you are not adding more defensive value, which it doesn't, it doesn't seem like India is likely to in uh, the outfield. So um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really strange spot. This team is in where they don't, yeah, they don't have, um, they don't really have anyone who is really good defensively at his position, but all of those guys are somehow like stuck at those spots too. Like they don't really have anywhere to go with Mike Moustakis away from second base or, or Suarez away from third base because everywhere you would slide each one of those guys is blocked by someone else already. So it's a really, it's a really bizarre, uh, it's a really bizarre position the Reds have put themselves in, just like so many other things. <laughs> yeah, they, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Also, is that they've moved so many pieces around and have to find spots to put them on the field because they're playing out of position that it almost takes that versatility away. Um, and that's that's the part where I look up and I say, okay, well, if they're committed to doing that with so many other positions on the on the the, the, the diamond, why is it shortstop where they're unwilling to do it also? You know, if that's the path of playing time for Jonathan India this year or Jose Garcia this year, you know they bring opposite ends of the spectrum to the table. India is supposed to be a high on base guy who can hit for power and probably well above his defensive capabilities at shortstop. But, you know, you might get the upside from him offensively. Jose Garcia, the opposite. You know you're getting a solid defender. Bat might not be ready yet, but you're getting something there. Um and they've done that kind of maneuvering all around the diamond, but they're not going to do it with their top young players. Um, and on top of that, the kind of parallel with that is the Reds are trying to be cheap this winter. They spent no money whatsoever. And what's the best possible way to be cheap? You play your young players who are making league minimum, and it seems like the Reds aren't even willing to try to do that there and get creative with some of those younger guys, despite the fact that they're blocked at their normal positions and that there's not a natural replacement to where they could slide them over to shortstop also. So it just it seems like a, I don't know, the philosophy is what I'm trying to get an understanding of right now. And it seems like it's just kind of going all over the damn place. Uh, Beak, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think there really is a philosophy. Right? It's just kind of, it, it seems like they're just kind of throwing throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think it'd be one thing if they had, if any of these defenders were, you know, just gold glove type caliber players, right? If you, if, you know, if Nick Senzel was a gold glove second baseman, you, we wouldn't be talking about him moving because he would have a position. And so it's, it's really, you know, you have, you've not really prioritized defense and free agency or in kind of the, the guys you're developing over the last handful of years. And then that has kind of translated into, okay, now we have the positional flexibility because, you know, Hey, Nick Castellanos, go play right field. And so, and just that sort of kind of mindset, but then now you have it all over the diamond, right? And then, um, yeah, I think it's just you don't really have a solution there. I mean, I think uh, you know, as Tony, as you said, I mean, Garcia's definitely a shortstop. 
um, and probably is the only one on the roster right now that will kind of be there in the future. Um, but he's not really ready yet. Um, and then, you know, a guy like uh, Jonathan India, he feels kind of like a little bit of the – he reminds me of kind of how we were t- would talk about Todd Frazier before he came up to where, yeah. you know, they just kind of threw him on the roster and then – you know, there ended up being an opening at third base and he played third base. Um, that kind of seems a lot like what's going to happen with Jonathan India. If, if he gets any, you know, significant big league time this year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really there. Like, it seems like of the three we've been talking about, he's the one that's probably most likely to be, to have kind of be moved around and, to be flexible with. Um, yeah. And if, if I'm Nick Senzo, I'm incredibly frustrated with uh, how the Reds have handled everything about, you know, his early career here. I mean, if you think about, you know, they had the hole in center field where he, you know, came up uh, as an infielder and then he learned how to play center field so he could be at the starting center fielder. And then they went and signed Shogo Akiyama who is really only a center fielder. So, you know, if, if I'm Nick Senzel and I, and then they, you know, went and signed Mike Moustakis to play second. And then, you know, Mike, they signed Castellanos to play, you know, in the corners. It's, if I'm Nick Senzel, I, I cannot catch a break right now. And other than, you know, <laughs> taking away all the you know health issues he's had uh, as far as staying on the field, even if he's on the field, uh, it doesn't really seem like he has a home right now uh, in Cincinnati, and they, you know, aren't training him. Uh, you know, selling high on him either. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what the answer for Nick Senzel is. Yeah, Senzel's the. I'm, I'm hoping that you know they find a spot for him, but I don't, no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, Senzel's the one specifically that jumps off the pages for me as. Um, the biggest question mark slash dilemma slash what the hell uh, at this juncture. I mean, since they drafted him second overall, uh, they signed Eugenio Suarez to a gigantic contract extension. They signed Mike Moustakis to a, the record free agent contract for the club. Um, they refused to play him at shortstop. They moved him to center field, and then they signed Shogo to play center field. And then they also built a roster to have a DH and then lost the DH. So it's it's kind of – as if organizationally, and this is aside from the fact they've manipulated his service time very obviously before the start of the 2019 season uh, and didn't exactly ingratiate themselves in that regard also. Um, but for a guy who literally is the top rated position prospect they've had in since Jay Bruce, what, almost 15 years ago, um, the way that they have kind of continued to jerk him around is just, it's, it's baffling to me. And this didn't even get to the, the 2019 season where they just abruptly changed his swing midseason um, and just asked him to kind of try to deal with it also. It's, a, it's one of those scenarios where you look up on paper and see the things that have happened around him with this organization and you wonder, you know, what the heck's going on there and why they aren't more committed to, to, to kind of embracing the talents that he have has, which are 
immense. I mean, he's an incredibly talented guy, probably the best athlete on this entire roster as is, and has shown that he can play outfield despite the fact that he came up as a impressive infielder also. Um, you look at where this Reds roster is under the rules that are now in place for the 2021 season. When you lose the DH, you can't take Jesse Winker's bat out of the lineup, especially against right-handed pitching, which is obviously the the, the majority of pitching they face. Um, when a roster loses the DH and goes back to classic National League rules, you increase pinch hitters, you increase double switches, and positional versatility becomes a thing that is perhaps the most valuable thing in National League baseball, aside from just being a star. Um, Sinzel looks like that guy who could start six out of every seven games, maybe even seven out of every seven games, if you were willing to play him in spots that let other people get a break every now and then. Play him in center, play him in right, play him at third, play him at second, play him at shortstop for a, a game or five and see what the hell happens. It's what the Dodgers have done with Chris Taylor. You've seen Scott Kingery be used that way in, in Philadelphia. You saw Ben Zobrist used that way both in National League and American League ball for his entire career. Um, it seems weird to me that the Reds continue to block this guy and then also not acknowledge that because they've blocked him at three different positions – that actually gives them the versatility at three different positions. Um, the, that's the one biggest thing I think I'm looking for this spring is to see if there's any sort of indication of how they're going to use Nick Senzel because this certainly seems like a season that is kind of make or break for him with the Reds because if they're not willing to commit to him in any of these roles and then also not willing to commit to him being kind of the, the backup to all these roles, then what's the point? What, what, what are they holding on to him for? Um, what are your thoughts on what you want to see from Sinzel and the Reds this year uh, and where the heck they they, they go from uh, this scenario? Uh, Beak, you want to go first on that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I just think that they just need to see, with mo- most of all, consistency and getting in the lineup and staying healthy. I mean, I think, you know, when it, when it comes to Nick Senzel, you know, just being able to stay on the field, I think has been his, um, his biggest struggle thus far. You know, I think as long as he stays healthy and, uh, you know, does what he's done in the big league so far, the Reds will find a place for him to play. It's, as you said, I think, you know, hopefully, I think that the thought behind his history with the team so far was probably that, you know, they could really use his, his versatility and, you know, spell a second baseman or center fielder, right fielder, left fielder, whatever. But, you know, it, if he can't stay on the field, then that is kind of a non-issue. So, you know, I, I think just being able to stay healthy, you know, play, you know, I don't know know if they're going to play 162 games, but if he can get, you know, the vast majority of a season in, um, I think that will go a long way. And I think that, you know, that seems to be something to me that'll work itself out that as long as he's playing and productive, um, the Reds will find a place for him. Yeah. I mean, he needs to hit like there's, there's just, he's been, uh, you know, when, when he was, when he was drafted second overall, the the it was because the the bat was supposed to play anywhere and the thought was it's probably going to play at third base and that's great because that's a premium defensive position and one that he 
played really well. Um, and we just haven't seen him hit. You know, we haven't seen him healthy for long enough to to get into any kind of rhythm. Uh, Wig, as you said, they they tried to tinker with his swing for a time there. He's obviously, you know, he basically as soon as, at the time when he was trying to make the immensely difficult transition from minor league baseball to major league baseball, he simultaneously was trying to convert to center field where he'd never played before. Um, we just haven't seen him be able to settle in for a long stretch of time and perform at the plate. And uh, that's, that's a really big problem because like the Reds, I mean, the Reds are going to annoy us with what they do with the defense, with the defensive positioning, uh, with who's on the field playing where, um, you know, they have, the Reds are going to have like three DHs in the lineup playing in the field at any given time this year with, and there's just no avoiding that. So I, you know, when it comes to Senzel, I, you, he needs to hit, you know, we, you need to see him, um, you know, he hasn't hit the ball. His exit velocity readings haven't been very good, uh, as a pro. He, he hasn't been able to tap into very much power. He has, he strikes out, uh, or he, he hasn't really, uh, drawn that many walks which I think when when he was coming up we expected his his plate discipline numbers to look a, a little bit better so yeah I mean health obviously health is health is the most important thing um but beyond beyond that beyond what the Reds are uh you know have have in their heads for what the, how they like to deploy him this year um you, you need to you need to see him hit you know he's going to be 26 this summer already and uh and you he's you know again as the best offensive prospect the system has seen since jay bruce um if if he doesn't show that he can be a genuine top of the lineup fixture really soon that's that's going to say really bad things about the organization's uh, ability overall to develop hitters. Yeah. I mean, with, with Sinzel. Uh, yeah. And I mean, one thing to even know. Sorry, Vic, I was going to say like, yeah, he, uh, you know, <laughs> he woke up on the morning, uh, on the morning he mysteriously found out at the end of the game that he tested positive for coronavirus and missed a month. He had an 857 OPS. and was on a 2020, season pace as your starting center fielder, fastest base runner and plus defender. I mean, and then he missed a month, came back and went what? Uh, two for 25 to finish the season. And they tanked his overall stats. And that's his second year in the pros. Like it, it, it seems like every possible turn of the corner has not gone his way, both organizationally and certainly just his luck on the field also just hasn't been there. But uh, I still, Firmly contend he's the best athlete on the roster. He can be a plus defender at every position he plays, maybe not at shortstop, but be if you can be a plus defender everywhere else, you could probably be good enough there. It just it, it mystifies me that the Reds are willing to not embrace that versatility and then also block him if he's going to be playing just one position, 
which is center field also. So it's um, it's been one of the more, you know, <laughs> in a lifetime of frustrations with this franchise, it's been perhaps the most real, 100% the most recent frustration. But on the, the grand scheme of frustrations, uh, how they've handled him and where they've kind of gotten to year three of his big league career and still not defined him whatsoever on what he can be at the big league level uh, is one thing that, that, that seriously, seriously bugs me. Uh, Beak, what do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, also be- before I before I go into this, come on, calling him the best athlete on the roster that has Michael Lorenzen on it is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's fair. Okay, I mean, well, best I, best position I, player I think athlete. That one thing that we should uh... <laughs> Sure, sure. Okay. But uh, one thing that we should talk about is uh is that, you know, this will really be the first year that as a red that he's had a consistent hitting coach uh, over two seasons. So, you know, Alan Zinter is coming back for his second season, but, you know, before that, you know, you had Turner Ward there for a year uh, in his rookie season. And then even, you know, before that, he was working with Don Long, um, who was there, was there prior. And, you know, I, I think that that probably isn't helping his development at all, right? Um, you know, especially as a young guy coming out, um, you know, he's changed his approach multiple times and he has a different coach in his ear every year, you know, asking him to, you know, seeing something different and asking him to, to make adjustments. So, um, I think that, you know, having the consistency of having Alan Zinter back, uh, this year should hopefully be a step in the right direction. Um, but you know, we'll see if what, what that translates to on the field. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, obviously we, we saw with the, the midseason swing change, I mean, in the, that was what, that was roughly August of 2019. So in the, uh, uh, what the 17 ish, 18 months since then, uh, there's been a lot that he's gone through since that one particular instance. And obviously had multiple coaches since then, uh, a return to his old swing, um, injuries, uh, illnesses, everything else. Um, it's been frustrating to watch, but I do think that there is still every opportunity for him to, if he shows up and is healthy, uh, to carve out a very significant role on this on this particular Reds club. Um, it just seems to me that on the surface, there's a lot more that he could do that the Reds seemingly are unwilling to let him do. Um, and that is just kind of the uh, the echoing theme uh, that we've seen between the two of them in their relationships uh, over the last couple of years. And I just hope it improves because I think the kid's got all the all the talent in the world. And it would just be nice to be able to see a, a, an organization embrace him. Um, like I said earlier, also, if, if for no other reason, you know, they're trying to get cheaper. They're trying to spend less money. Um, play your young guys. Give your young guys the chance that that's the way that you're going to go about your business model. Uh, and it seems like it's just weird that they seem to continually be, you know, shoehorning him into the corner while also not spending on other guys that are more proven than he is, but whatever, that's me. That's me ranting at this point. So, um, well with that, I, I think we've gotten uh, uh, through a lot so far on this particular episode and we might, um, might go ahead and call it a, call it a wrap on episode two of the 2021 edition of the Red Reporter podcast. Um, you guys have any last uh, last thoughts as we probably record our last episode before 
before games get up and going here in the next couple of days. Uh, uh, Tony, you got anything? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I'm. I, I'll be excited to to. I'll, I'll be excited to see baseball uh, in action again here very soon. Um, I haven't. I know college baseball's on. Uh, I haven't. I haven't gotten gotten myself to to watch any of that yet. But the uh, the major league starting up again. Uh, I, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've like zoned out thinking about like a Marco Gonzalez versus Chris Stratton, <laughs> like AL West 10, 10 start. <laughs> like I, I really, uh, I really miss it a lot. So, uh, there's, I, I will be able to, I'll have, I'll hopefully have a lot more thoughts, uh, on the, uh, always uh never-ending frustrations that accompany watching the cincinnati reds no i'm with you there man i definitely am i i I can't tell you how excited i am to just kind of watch out of the corner of my eye um i was gonna say a mike leak start but mike leak's not even signed at this point anymore but uh right right on west coast starters going late into the game or into the evening just having a chance to watch more baseball be there uh it's um it's an indication that um, the good part of the year has returned, uh, if nothing else, and hopefully the Cincinnati Reds can make a little bit of noise um, as that as that entire return uh, happens. Uh, Beak, you got any final thoughts, man? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just excited to have it back. Just uh, I'm I cannot wait for just next week. Every every day I'll be. Uh, listening to to Tommy Thrall and the Cowboy and you know never never thought that I'd I'd miss uh, those guys that much but it's it's just it's going to be so uh so nice especially to see kind of how the pitching staff shakes out early on too just because you know I I I don't think David Bell has announced any of his uh his matchups yet but I'm I'm interested to see what they do with like Michael Lorenzen to start. I'm you know I, he's in camp as a starter, but I'm not sure uh, that hasn't really shown if he's actually going to get starts early on. So I'm I'm curious to see how some of that stuff ends up working out. Um, always excited to see the uh, the non roster guys uh, coming in, uh, especially all of the kind of relief acquisitions. Um that they're kind of throwing at the wall to see what sticks and to see, to see if, if anybody can turn heads. I mean, this should be, you know, a pretty exciting spring training for the Reds uh, more than the last couple of years, just because there's so much, there's so many more questions that need to be answered uh, in this period. And uh, over the last couple of years, you know, you really, they were just kind of going through the motions because you already knew, you already knew 24 of the 25 guys who were going to be on the roster. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, as, as someone who's followed the Reds in bad seasons before, let's embrace spring training and uh, just kind of enjoy it while we can, because, you know, it's uh, before you know it, it'll be May and the Reds will be 10 games back. <laughs> I mean, ho- hopefully they won't be, but uh, you know, 
No, no, no. That, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100 on board with you on that that area as well. Because um, you know this this Reds team is a flawed team, but it seems to be flawed in ways that are different than previous years. You know, they don't have a bunch of 33 year old retreads out there. They've got a bunch of young, talented players that. You know, on pitching specifically, we didn't get into pitching much in this episode, and we'll we'll try to circle back on that next time around. Um, but they've got a lot of guys who can throw 100 miles an hour and spin the hell out of the ball, and probably just don't really know where it's going. But they're trying to give them some direction. So it's going to be very, very interesting to watch how this pitching staff shakes out. Because uh, on a pure talent, pure arm talent perspective, it might be as talented as they've ever been. And I say that despite the fact they just lost the Cy Young Award winner from last year. Um, Talent doesn't mean performance, though, and how they can kind of blend those two together is going to be something that's pretty much going to define what the Reds do this year since uh, they, they they pretty well define their strategy of the offseason of making it that, low-cost, high-upside arms and see which ones can stick and and hope it works out. So, yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly excited to watch that that go down in the next couple of weeks and, and see how this whole thing shakes out. So uh, we will we will be back uh, hopefully in another week or so and, and kind of catch in on where the Reds are, um, both pitching and positionally, and see if uh, Nick Senzel's played shortstop yet or uh, if uh, D. Gordon is uh, uh, the leadoff hitter or uh, Michael Lorenzen in the rotation. All those we will, we will touch on in the future. So um, like and subscribe us if you can. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on all number of places to, to get the Red Reporter podcast. You can read us at redreporter.com if that's still something that you do on the internet these days. Um, yeah, for uh, for Tony and Beak, uh, thank you guys for joining us, and uh, we will catch you all in the next week, and uh, hope the Cincinnati Reds are doing what they can to make us entertained and stay a little bit relevant. So thanks, y'all. Till next time.